0: Yeah, I know, I know, I
1: know. Relax, I know what happened up in Washington, D.C. today. I know that Merrick Garland appointed uh, Mr. Weiss as special counsel, which is all really amusing and bizarro, but that's just what's going on in D.C. I'll get to that. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that because it just happened, and there's so many angles there. I'll look into that uh, over the weekend. But I do have some thoughts on that and some things that we need to watch for. And I'll get to that. We'll do that in the fourth segment. But uh, we're going to set – Washington, D.C. aside, we're going to set aside uh, Jack Smith and uh, Mr. Weiss and Merrick Garland. And instead, we're going to talk about Ken and Barbie. Uh, So we're back to the Barbie movie. My friend Cindy Morelli-Wacco is in the studio. She's been in before. Cindy, great to see you. Subtle outfit. Yeah. (laughs) So your side of the studio is pink. My side of the studio is blue. Uh, Because we're going to talk about the Barbie movie. Because I was, quite frankly, shocked when you said you were going to go see it. And I'm like, I know what's going to happen. You're going to come out and you're going to be pretty upset because of all the pretty obvious feminist type angles and the patriarchy and the uh, you're a very conservative person like I am. And we see all the conservative voices just going ballistic about Barbie. And so that front loads the experience and you go into see the movie and then you're like, I loved it. And I was like, uh what happened to what happened to cindy so anyway it's great to see you thanks for coming in how you doing
0: good i did love the movie and i was prepared to go in and hate it because i had seen so much uh negativity about it i'd Mm -hmm. seen so many reviews saying you know it's uh anti-male it's feminist it's uh pro uh abortion it's anti-motherhood there's a scene where they smash the baby dolls and that's a uh, that's a homage to abortion being acceptable and I just thought, how am I going to handle that when I see them smashing these baby dolls? That's going to make me cry. And I went in totally expecting to hate it and and come out really disliking it. And I liked it right from the beginning. <laughs> and I laughed <laughs> all the way through it. Yeah. And I knew people didn't find it funny. And people didn't find it funny. And I thought, why do I find it funny if people don't find it What's funny? What's wrong with Cindy? What's wrong with me if I lost my edge? And uh, But that's why I called you, because I wanted to talk about it.
1: Yeah, so there's some lessons there. That, so we'll talk about the movie itself, obviously. And we'll talk about people like Ben Shapiro did forty three minutes. Ben Shapiro destroys the Barbie movie. They always do that with his commentary. Uh, and he, you said this. He was he was so triggered. He he doesn't usually do that, but he was very triggered by this movie. Uh, and I went into it. My wife and I went into it kind of the same as you because we tend to listen and watch the same things and you go in going, okay, this is just going to be a, a big mess, a big woke massacre, by the way. Oh, your folder is even pink. Wow. That's, is that's pink. impressive. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, and there's some lessons in that as well. Like how do we consume culture and consume media and entertainment as Christians, you've been involved and in, in, in had a love for movies and you go out to uh, Sundance and things like that. It, I love movies. I have for years and, and, everything gets politicized so there's a lot to talk about here but you went in let's talk about first just the fact that uh you went in expecting it to be a disaster
0: Yeah, well, I would not heard anything about the Barbie movie because I'm not on Instagram and I don't uh, participate in the social media. I don't have TikTok. And so my Ethiopian daughter had said, hey, you know, when Barbie comes out, we should go see it. And I said, what are you talking about? She's like, the Barbie movie. You've never heard of it? I'd literally never heard of it. (laughs) And this was like five days before it was coming out. And then I started seeing it It was everywhere. So I said, "Okay, let's go see it. So we signed. I thought I would just go on a night and just see it. It was sold out day after day Mm -hmm. after day and multiple showings of it were sold out. And I couldn't imagine that. And then I saw people getting dressed up, and I thought, well, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to get dressed up in pink. And my aunt worked at Mattel, and so I had lots of Barbies. Uh, I probably had 65 myself. My sister probably had 65. Wow. I had everything. The Barbie Dreamhouse, the all Corvette. In. Yeah, I had everything. We had the RV. We had everything.
1: Did you have the plane?
0: I had the plane. Awesome. We had everything. And... And so I thought, well, I want to see it from that perspective because I love Barbie. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I went and I started watching it, I thought, okay, that's the problem. Men are talking about this movie, and this is not a movie for men. I mean, first of all, it was all pink, and I can't even imagine my husband lasting five seconds because it was all pink. And, (laughs) And then it was just so over the top. And I thought, well, it's so over the top because it's a perspective of Barbie. It's from Barbie's point of view. It's as though you're a doll. It's a doll. And so how would a doll be? And so Barbie Land didn't offend me like it offended everybody. Yeah. Because it was from the perspective of a doll. And when she's dancing around and it has all those dance scenes and Ken is foolish looking, that didn't offend me either because in the end, Ken was an afterthought. Ken wasn't part of Barbie. And so for Ken to not be masculine, I mean... Nobody knew how to make a masculine Ken when you're playing Barbie. When you're a little girl playing with a Barbie, you only know your dad and your brother, so you don't know how to make Ken masculine, right? especially not back in the beginning. If and you that's think, why we
1: had G.I. Joes, anyway, for the guys. Because, right, and nobody the wanted Ken. young little boys Ken. were not going to play with Ken. Right, ben was a exactly. loser.
0: Exactly. No little boy said at Christmas, get me a Ken. No, nobody. <laughs> nobody. And, and brothers were destroying Barbies, so we didn't really have a lot of... <laughs> Co- co- you know, creative opportunities. Right. It was almost always a girl playing alone or a girl playing with her sister or a girl playing with another friend, but never mixed play. Right. Uh-huh. And so, you know, so I went into it and I was laughing through it and I think I just took it from the perspective, this is a satire, this is a satirical. I never took it seriously. Even when they lectured, I didn't take it seriously. And and people said it wasn't funny, but I thought some lines were really funny, like when the um, Will Farrell's character says, get back in the box, Jezebel. Yeah. I mean, I laughed
1: out loud. Yeah. I thought that oh, was hilarious. Oh, there were lots of funny lines. Oh, there was definitely funny. I mean, and, and then I mentioned this before, before we got on the air, just just seeing it, it's kind of like Toy Story. All of a sudden, you see, for so many people, I mean, literally millions and millions, probably hundreds of millions of people around the around the world, to be able to see... Uh, the, their Barbie experiences and Barbie memories and probably still holding on to Barbie dolls uh, on the big screen with huge name actors uh, is going to be satisfying. Forget the the rest of the content. Forget the, the use of the word patriarchy 67 times or whatever it was. It was going to be successful no matter what. And that's where Ben Shapiro said, oh, this will have two weeks and it'll flame out. Well, he was wrong by about a $1.1 $1. 1 billion because it's still going. Uh, But I think one of the lessons that we have to learn, which is why I was interested to talk to you about this, is is what happened to both of us, and I think happens to a lot of us, is you walk into things already pre-programmed to hate it. And then you're not being a free-thinking person. You're not having any intellectual curiosity. You're just towing the company line. And I think that's dangerous, even with a Barbie movie.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I think, And I think my experience of going to Sundance so many times and being around mixed audiences, mostly non-Christians, and listening to the people who write these stories and create these movies and participate in these production of these movies, I think it gave me a perspective that said, you know what, there is something here, but at the end of the day, it's still just a movie. Yeah. It's a movie!
1: Relax, everybody. It's a movie, right. We don't need to go storm the bastions of the movie theaters, wherever that is close to you. We're going to keep talking to Cindy Morelli-Watko, about barbie and ken well what about some of the stuff that anything bug you uh, anything encourage you we'll go there talking about barbie and ken this is steve noble we'll be right back Hey. welcome back it's steve noble the steve noble show ken would never listen to boston That's what I think. I think Ken would not listen to Boston. I think Barbie would think Boston was cool, but Ken wouldn't because Ken's a loser. But uh, (laughs) we can uh, keep talking about that. My friend Cindy Morelli-Watko, back in the studio, you've been on a couple times before. We're always talking about politics. I guess we're kind of doing that. Uh, But also... Really fascinating, uh, just for those of you that weren't here for the beginning of the show. Uh, Cindy and I have known each other for years. We're both uber conservative. We're so far to the right. We're about to fall off the flat earth. And so when you said you were going to see the Barbie movie because of all the anti-Barbie uh, conservative media hit piece, one right after the other, I'm like, uh, "This, you're going to go see it, <clears throat> and then it's going to light you up. And then when you uh, contacted me and said, I loved it, in that big Cindy voice, I was like, <laughs> whoa, what happened? And I think, again, a really valuable lesson just... It, just because what you hear in the media points you in a certain direction. Uh, remember, you're always being played. I told you that, that the media, the right, the left, they're always playing all of us. I tell my students that every week you're being played. And I think on this one, we we're not that there aren't things that we can't discuss, and we should discuss, and we take advantage of the fact that the movie's out there and people are talking about it. And it becomes a good teaching opportunity. But I don't think the world changed because the Barbie movie went out.
0: For sure.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's all of a sudden the birth of a new age because of the Barbie movie. Right. Uh, so you take it for what it's worth, but it's also—I think it's okay, Cindy, for us as conservative, Bible-believing Christians who understand the times that we're in, we're serious people. Um, but it, but it's, I guess it's okay to go see a movie like the Barbie movie and laugh and actually enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah, if that's what you like. I mean, like you would go see a right. Star Wars movie and you'd love it, and right. I would hate that. Right. But I can go see Barbie and and laugh because, you. and I can go see Barbie and laugh because it's a silly movie. First of all, it's almost all in which we haven't seen too many movies that are in color and so I just love the fact that it was so colorful and
1: girls in pink which is a little exactly. transphobic really <clears throat> well
0: everybody was that. in pink you right? know so <laughs> and I loved the way they portrayed different things about Barbie because I played with Barbie so like with the weird Barbie I loved Ke- I loved Kate McKenna as that character yeah. because everybody had somebody they knew that cut Barbie's hair right. or marked on the Paint face, face or, or, right, or broke the legs right. so one thing I really loved it. I loved the casting I thought the casting was great I, I think Mark. Robbie played when she said, I am the stereotypic Barbie, and she was the stereotypic. Mm -hmm. When you think of Barbie, you think of what she looks like. And Ken, when you think of Ken doll, you think of Ryan Ryan Gosling Gosling. He looked so good. And the Alan doll, like that outfit he had on, (laughs) that's the only outfit Alan had. And that's that's the only outfit he had. So that's an
1: inside joke.
0: And in the movie, he said, There are no clothes for me. When he was fleeing with Barbie, he said, there are no clothes for me, but all Ken's clothes fit me. And that's what we always used to say. (laughs) There are no clothes for Alan, but his (laughs) Ken's clothes fit him. So there had to be a lot of little Barbie things you knew and understood to get it. If you wanted to like the movie, but like my husband said, you think I should go see it? I thought, oh, my God, you'll kill yourself. I mean, you'll never make it past three <laughs> seconds. So so I think if you went in, I, I I was played. I was played by the Christian right. I, I was told it was going to have, you know. Uh, um,
1: Which, by the way, you are the Christian. I know right. I am. Right.
0: I, that's what I mean. I was manipulated by that. And they said, you know, there's going to be a, a trans uh, character and i I was looking you know where's the trans character? when's the trans I right. mean and it was taken when's the away big from reveal exactly, and in the end, it was just so minor and so non important and so tangential to the story. Um, and it wasn't anti-motherhood it was about the mother and the daughter and it was about the mother she's the one that created the problem with Barbie that broke Barbie because her daughter stopped playing with Barbie and she was sad and she wanted to keep a Barbie because she was thinking about it and then when she starts sketching out anxiety Barbie that's when it all broke because nobody wants anxiety Barbie because in the end it's called play Barbie was created as a doll to play with and it was different than Barbie dolls because it gave us a glamour. It gave little girls something to have glamour. Most, most little girls don't have mothers that mm-hmm. are glamorous. Yeah. They're just not. They're busy right. being mothers. Right. That's right. And so they wanted to create a, a fashion image. She was modeled. She was originally marketed as a model. Because this
1: goes all the way back to 1959.
0: 1959. Did, I, like, you, I, like,
1: I appreciate that you did a bunch of Barbie research.
0: I did so much Barbie research. But in 1959, the original Barbie was modeled after this uh, character that was in. She was a prostitute, and she was in a comic book book series and so they created a doll for her and the doll this woman Ruth Handler allegedly there's some debate about whether or not she created Barbie but she her daughter saw the doll like the doll wanted to have the doll but there were no change of clothes so in order to have a different doll you had to buy a different doll and so Ruth Handler said let's make a doll like this And it became about the clothing, the accessories. Mm -hmm. And people my age remember the excitement of opening the packaging. And it had those little high-heeled shoes. And it had the little handbag. And it had the fur stole or whatever. The the clothes were glamorous. And that's what you played with it for. You didn't play with it because you wanted to be a mother. And you didn't play with it because you didn't want to be a mother. It wasn't one choice or the other. And I think that's the problem the Christian right had. They tried to make this one choice or the other instead of remembering it's a story about a doll yes it has flaws yes the script has flaws every script has flaws every single script of every film you go see has flaws and every script has something in it that's gratuitous that Mm -hmm. you think you don't need you don't need to see it and so when you ask what bothered me about it I didn't think that the scene where it had Ken's fighting each other and they were saying I'll beat you off and I'll beat you off and that yeah, all that gay double life. entendre Yes, exactly. Stuff, right. That wasn't necessary and that uh-huh. offended me. I found that was offensive. But I hear in Oppenheimer, there's Oppenheimer, there's a sex scene that's offensive.
1: So There's three scenes that inv- involve nudity and, and it was, Christopher Nolan's never done that before. The story and Killian Murphy, the, the performances are so amazing that it just, t- like for my wife and I, we were both like, it puts a little asterisk by there. Now, it didn't ruin the experience, but it, I, I understand and appreciate and have no problem. With well, other Christians say, Steve, I can't believe you went to that, that's really disappointing uh, that you would allow that trash into your mind. Okay, well, you're not my judge and I don't answer to you, but uh, I, there is some discernment here that, that there's no perfect candidate, there's no perfect movie, you live in an imperfect world, And you can go to a movie like Barbie and exercise your biblical worldview. And you can say, these things are offensive. These things actually, because there's some truth every once in a while. And then other stuff, you just go, just lighten up. Right. It's okay to laugh and remember your childhood. You need to lighten up
0: a little. That's how I felt, especially when it got luxury, when it got really luxury. There's a scene, there's a long scene where uh, the one mother, I forget what her name is, America Ferrara, Um, And she just talks about what it's like to be a woman. And we have this put on us and that put on us and the next thing put on us. And I thought, okay, that's not I mean, it's way too long. If you're doing a script, you're doing a movie. You can make that point in a few sentences. So you could have had editing on that and gotten the point across. So little things like that bug me. But like everything like that happens in a movie. You know, I still thought there were plenty of really funny things. But
1: in in a way they you said this earlier, maybe it was off the air. They kind of act like in many ways, they kind of act like it's still 1982 or something.
0: For sure, for like when. When, for when she comes into the real world and she's rollerblading and and people are like mocking her and gawking at her, and she said, "I feel unsafe." And I just thought, oh, for heaven's sake, <laughs> nobody is acting like that now. And I love how, like, Ryan Gosling comes alive, and he's like, finally, I get to be a man, right? And I think that is what's happening. I did in our, appreciate that part. Yeah, and I think that's what's happened in our society that we've we've acted like you you have to either be one or the other. Mm-hmm. You have to either be an obnoxious man or you have to be completely emasculated. Yeah. And it's not either; it, those are both it's false. Not either or. It's a right. false economy. Right. You don't need that. Yeah. And and then I loved. When she goes into the boardroom, and it's all men, and people were complaining about that. and Yeah, and, all
1: white males. Yeah,
0: saying it's so bad. But if you think about when Barbie was supposedly created, it was all yeah. white males. Well, because, I read a
1: study recently of of, of uh, Fortune 500 companies that like 40% of the board members today are female. Yeah. So yeah. I look at the movie and go, well, they portrayed them as all white men. Okay. Well, Will Ferrell's funny. And it didn't change and, the world. And, and a, the
0: CEO of the CEO of Mattel for 30 years was a woman. Was a woman. And that was who created Barbie. Hello.
1: <laughs> yeah, chill out, everybody. I also want to talk about uh, you did say there's some there's some girls that you wouldn't take based on age. I want to talk about that. We're talking to my friend Cindy Morelli Wako. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. I want something just like this. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. So if you saw the Barbie movie. Do you keep? Let, oh, let me let me sound like the president. Do you keep it from your Christian friends?
0: Well, that's why I haven't posted a review of it because people said, you know, right, I had get, read about you're it get blasted. and I was just, and I was trying to decide would I make a film about or a video about it or do I just write my views on it in a couple paragraphs. And I thought, you know, if you write a couple paragraphs, you're going to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm, if you make a video about it, do you think you're self-absorbed? It's like, oh, people really care about my opinion. I need to really go at it and give this, a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't been able to really say. But I would say, I, again, it's the, in Proverbs. Wisdom and discernment. That's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to ask God for wisdom and ask God for discernment and think about who you're influencing and what what role you have in your influence with them. So I would say for me, I would not take Anybody under twelve years old to see this movie? First of all, it's just too adult. It's too mature. There's nothing in it for children. It's there's, very adult. There's nothing in it for kids. It's not, not even... adult
1: like in a trashy way, but just adult in terms of the complexities of the storyline and the philosophies going on. I think, a, I think a young girl can see it, and all that stuff's going to go right over their head. For you sure, see the same thing with Disney movies and Pixar. They know the people paying for the tickets are adults, so they throw all kinds of adult content in there. And I don't mean racy adult content, but just adult-level content and humor that kids aren't going to pick up on at all, I think, most of the time. And this was like that. But there's the nostalgia side of it, which was huge.
0: Yeah. I like to
1: play with Barbies. I think
0: I think it's the perfect movie for women over 50 because we all Uh played with Barbies. And so I think that to have the whole big audience of women can go with your friends and have parties and get dressed up in pink and do that whole thing. I think that's perfect. I don't think any guy, for the most part, there's no guy I know that would like that movie. Just no guy. I mean, there's nothing in it for a guy. And (laughs) that's
1: because they're all toxic masculinity. obviously.
0: (laughs) And I mean, I just and there's no point in going and seeing something if you are a guy, because there is a lot of time spent on the male background. Ashing aspect of sure. it, which I felt was odd. I mean, I don't think that fit the theme. I don't think it was in the Barbie experience. It was way too yeah, long. Yeah, that,
1: that seemed extra to me. And
0: too long. Pushing Again, editing. You needed to edit it. I felt yeah. like some of that stuff was just dropped in there. Um, and I think if you just want to find a fun, silly movie. Go see the Barbie movie because it's fun and it's silly and it's bright and it's colorful. But if you're looking for deep meaning in a movie that has Will Ferrell, you need help. <laughs> I mean, you just need help because Will Ferrell is right. not going to be it's in a, a contradiction movie. contradiction in terms. Exactly. And and if you're going to go see a movie where Ryan Gosling, you've seen enough of it to know he's going to sing and dance and smile a lot, again, no deep meaning. Why yeah. are we looking at that? So. Right. So I, I recommend it, and I enjoyed it, and I thought it was fun. And I think all the Christians that are against it really need to think about what is your witness? What is your witness if you're always against everything yeah. and you're just looking for reasons? Because I do agree. some are just messaging... Christian
1: curmudgeons. Exactly. Not that, I'm not – neither one of us is advocating just put your head in the ground and now you're – well, now, Steve, you and your guest are obviously not only in the world but of the world. Okay, the fact that you would even go there – if you've listened to the show for more than 30 <laughs> minutes ever uh, is ridiculous. But that's part of the programming there. Glenn Beck, I got the book, but I haven't read it. Uh, came out a couple of years. It's called Addicted to Outrage. And that's what we are. Right. Because that sells, man. That gets clicks. It gets eyeballs on your content and you're addicted to outrage. And as a Christian, I'm like, OK, if you're if you're outraged all the time and this is Glenn Beck's problem because he's a Mormon like where's the joy of the Lord
0: exactly where is it and what about Jesus would Jesus always be filled with outrage I don't feel like Jesus was a curmudgeon I don't think he was filled with outrage no and I think that Again, there's messaging in the movie I completely disagree with. No doubt about it. And the, this whole concept you said about patriarchy, I had heard that it was all about the word patriarchy, patriarchy. And somebody said if I took a drink every time I heard the word patriarchy, I wouldn't be able to walk out. And so I was ready for that, right? And like you had said, you thought it was used 60 times. I started counting it. And I think it was 10 or 11. Yeah. And I was so surprised that that was it because I thought, are you kidding? I, I thought this was said Yeah, you over thought and for over. sure
1: it's going to be every other. It's like
0: 50, punctuation. Uh, right, I thought I was going to lose track. Yeah. And it was really only in a couple scenes. And then there were other things. They put in imagery. Like they said, they hated the ending where it had Ruth Handler there with the all white and it had that imagery. Well, she was the creator. She did create Barbie. So when people said that was anti-God and that they were giving credit to her and it's like. The doll was talking to the creator and the creator was saying humans die, but dolls live forever. Well, you would think a doll creator would want to tell the doll that Mm -hmm. you can live forever. Why do you want to be a human? And people felt like that had such deep messaging and it really mocked God. And it was like, only if you read into that, it was the creator talking to the doll. Now, somebody might tell me, nope, you're totally missing it. You're being naive. This is all important. These were all satanic messages decided designed to deceive you. You know, I'm just not going there. I mean, I'm in 2023. This is where I live. I have to be around other people that live in 2023. I I can't be Elijah. I can't be John the Baptist. I'm in this culture. And I need to be aware of what's influencing people in this culture. And I need to do it with grace and discernment and wisdom and i'm not high on the grace side i'm not i'm really high on the judgment side i think we all struggle so i don't need to be adding more judgment right and especially preconceived judgment like i said and so uh i was guilty of being manipulated i didn't i made judgments before i saw it and i'm here to tell you that i enjoyed it i laughed a lot here's a
1: generational difference uh from somebody i know and love and she's Significantly younger than both of us, she said. I think it's a movie for men and women, not specifically for women. I didn't see the male bashing narrative. And again, this, this, there, there's, you're going to get generational differences here. And then uh, went on to say the movie depicts how men and women are hurt by stereotypical gender roles and patriarchal structures.
0: No, for sure. And I think that's and that's why at the end, like you said earlier, when your son was telling you Barbie was trying to boost up Ken, I think it does. I think it does portray. Neither world is perfect. Yeah. Barbie world where women rule everything. That's, that wasn't enough to keep her in Barbie world. Yeah. She chose to come live in the real world where allegedly she felt unsafe, you know, because nothing was in the movie to show she became more safe. Yeah. She chose the unsafe world as opposed to Barbie land. And when she talks about Ken and he says, I'm nothing without you, Barbie. And she's like, find your own self. Yeah. Find your own identity. That's true for all of us. Mm-hmm. We're neither, yeah,
1: one of the biggest lies of the modern culture. Uh, well, two of them. One of them is found in virtually every Disney movie. Follow your heart. Yes. Scripture's like, yeah, bad idea. Bad idea. Uh, there, there's that one. And then the other one is you get your worth from somebody else or Jerry McGuire. You complete me. Right. Well, nobody can withstand the weight of your worship. Only God. And so the only person that can complete you is the Lord. And so we can interject in that scene at the end of the Barbie movie and say, let me tell you what's going on there. Cause that, I'm sitting there going, okay, I, I know where you guys are going with this. I can see it through the lens of biblical truth. You can't, but I can. So I'm going to take what you just gave me and I'm going to use it to preach a biblical message. Right. Which is that your value is not found in who you're with or even whether you're good looking or not. Your value is found in the fact that Jesus loves you, created you and died for you. There's your And,
0: value. and that we long to be valuable. Right. We long to be valuable. And so, how are we messaging value, Mm. right? And with Barbie, Barbie got all of her value by being glamorous and having these achievements. And that's why I love this scene with Ryan Gosling when he goes and he goes to the hospital and he wants to be a doctor and and the quick repartee between the two of them. (laughs) And then he says, Just give me the coat. Because in the end, that's what gave Barbie her power the clothes she put on. Because she's not substantive, because she's a doll. And so, without the clothes, and here she is trying to give a lecture to Ken to try to be more. And you just think everybody wants to be valuable and be valued. Why? Because we're created in the image of God and he valued us. He valued us. Like you said, enough to die for us and save us and redeem us and reconcile us back to him, our creator. And like I love the line when she said, I don't want to be part of the creation. I want to be the creator. And people said, oh, my gosh, that's another thing where people are wanting to. Re-. It's like, No. God made us in his image. He's a creator. We're sub-creators. We like to create. Sure. Everybody wants to create. I mean, that's part of the the joy of life. Creativity
1: is part of the Imago Day.
0: Yes, exactly. And so, like I said, I just felt like there was a lot of good things. I felt like there were a lot of things I'd cut out. I would get a better editor. I would have fixed the script. But Ben Shapiro talks about the plot points, and he's bashing it because he said the plot points don't make any sense. I'm sorry, but I didn't see Ferris Bueller because of a plot. I saw Ferris Bueller because it was funny. <laughs> I, you know, I don't watch Animal House because of a plot, or yeah. I didn't watch, you know, Caddyshack, or Back you know in these the day, right. these comedy movies. You're not looking for the plot; you're just looking to laugh. And so, you Which know, we it, could
1: all use a pretty hearty laugh, at, ex- especially at this now. Point in human ex- especially
0: history. now, and especially on on these topics of gender. And like I said, I just I thought it was funny when he he comes back to the Mattel guy goes back and he sees all the broken Barbies and he looks over and there was the pregnant Barbie and he looks and he goes, I thought we discontinued you. And they said, oh, that's another trashing and bashing of motherhood. It's like, no, it's just a statement someone would make if they got surprised to see something they hadn't expected to see. And again, people will say, well, you just didn't get it. You didn't get the depth of it all. It's like, no, because I went to see a movie called Barbie about Barbie that was in all pink and had Will Ferrell. <laughs> so, right. Oppenheimer, I'd expect a lot deeper yeah, message totally because different. that was a serious topic. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things about it. And I haven't, I really haven't gone to see it because that one thing about the sex yeah. scene, but like you said, I've heard people say it's amazing. The sound is amazing. Oh, the, the topic is amazing. Yeah. It's so well done. Chris Nolan is just... Yeah, and the, and the
1: thing, Chris, Christopher Nolan on that... uh and the thing I didn't know about Oppenheimer is that he was definitely a ladies' man. The guy was uh, very promiscuous. That was a part of his life. And he's like, so I th- thought it was important for the character development. I think you can get the point across that the guy was a flandering womanizer without nudity, especially think, that
0: level of nudity. Yeah, I hear. I
1: think you can make it pretty obvious <laughs> what what he was like that p- picadillo in his life without doing that. And, all right, fine. So I'm 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 one of the people that can go into that movie, know it's coming, uh, not watch that part, and still get a lot of the movie and i did and barbie sounds like the same thing
0: yes well thanks for having me on. it was great
1: having you on thanks for wearing pink and all your yes. barbie stuff even a pink i watch. know i
0: brought the pink watch and, so. pink nail <laughs> and pink nail polish barbie pink nail polish so almost i'm made all want to go see it again <laughs> <laughs>
1: i don't know if that'll happen but, no it won't happen i'm pretty sure <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> cindy gray you thanks for coming in uh, i'll be right back after this break don't go anywhere Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. That was fun and a good conversation. I appreciated Cindy coming in. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'm not so quick to go to guns anymore when I have uh, disagreements with other Christians, and if you go see this or you don't go see that, you're a better Christian, you're a worse Christian. I think we have to be very careful with that stuff. I think that was the point we all need to take when Jesus is talking about before you remove the speck from your brother's eye, you might want to deal with the plank in your own. If, you're, if, if you spend a lot of time, mental and emotional energy in analyzing what other people are doing and then putting them under a microscope and just ripping into people and thinking less of them and being condemning and being in a sinful way judging, uh, then you don't understand that. You don't understand that teaching. You don't understand. You should be way more preoccupied with your sin than anybody else's. And th- and that's uh, – when I got into the culture war stuff back in 2004, the the danger of the culture war is it breeds it breeds self-righteousness. Because if you spend all your time reading all these stories of all these crazy things going on in the world from a Christian perspective, you look at that and go, oh, this place is going to hell in a handbasket, whatever – There's so much evil everywhere. There's so much filth everywhere. And that's true. And so when you compare yourself to those stories, you look pretty good, don't you? You look you look you look like a well-dressed Barbie and a well-dressed Ken. You you just you got it going on, man. Compared to the culture, you look great. Uh, But nowhere in scripture are we to compare ourselves to the culture. We are to compare ourselves to the creator. And that's why everybody falls short, right? We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody seeks God. And it really is that bad. And so that was what happened to me in the culture war is it made me feel um, like I was, a, 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 you know, a good person relative to all that, uh, which kills sanctification, by the way. Because as long as I'm comparing myself to the lost culture, I can look in the mirror and feel pretty good about myself. You start comparing me to scripture. I'm like, oh. And that was Jesus's point. You've got, from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, you've got a log sticking out of your eye and you're dealing with a speck of dust. Get your, get your magnifying power a little closer to home. So if you're spending all your time just finding ways to criticize everybody else, that critical spirit is not healthy. It's not discerning. Yes. Wise. Yes. There is a time to judge morally and ethically, yes. But if all you're ever doing is wagging your finger at the culture or this person or that person, I'm telling you, uh, that's a bad witness. And that was what Cindy was talking about, that all we do is complain. Like, where's the joy of the Lord there? Why join your team if all you do is complain about everything around you? Where do you think you live? It's like, hey, I live in a cow pasture. Well, hey, Steve, if you live in a cow pasture, let me ask you a question. Do you ever get cow dookie on you? Uh, Yes. Like on purpose? No, but it's kind of hard to avoid when you live in a cow pasture. Okay, hey, hey, friend, you live in a cow pasture. Okay, it's messy. All right. So the huge news earlier today. This is fascinating. It's just starting, and so this is going to be unfolding over time. Is the uh, Gar- Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, appoints Mr. Weiss? Uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss is the guy that's been appointed originally by Trump. It's important to remember that. who has been investigating the Hunter Biden thing for five years. He's the one that cut the sweetheart, tried to cut the sweetheart deal. Then you had jo- Judge Noreika up there uh, in the Delaware area who said uh, this deal is bogus. And she shot the whole thing down. Praise the Lord for that. That killed the plea bargain. They can't agree to anything else. And Hunter's in uh, appears to be in some hot water here. But that was Weiss. Weiss is the one that said, OK, let's cut this deal. Now they 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 put him in charge, right? They they elevate him to a special counsel. So people are going uh people on the right are going ballistic. I was looking at CNN earlier and they're like <clears throat> not not playing it uh they're not seeing it as a problem, but the right definitely a Republicans blast cover up of Hunter Biden's special counsel appointment. Something's not right. So this is let me just read some from some of this. Uh this is uh Republican lawmakers sounded off after Attorney General Merrick Garland on Friday appointed a special counsel for the probe into the first son, Hunter Biden. Any, by the way, anytime they announce something on Friday afternoon, there's a reason they do that, uh, because the news cycle kind of dies down over the weekend. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer called Garland's announcement, quote, part of the Justice Department's efforts to attempt a Biden family cover up in light of House Oversight Republicans mounting evidence. Of President Biden's role in his family scheming, selling the brand for millions of dollars to foreign nationals. So they're actually using, in this case, if he's right, Weiss to kind of pull things in, control it even more than they have. And, then, you know, now you have the whistleblowers. They slow walked the whole thing so they could get past the statute of limitations for Hunter uh, and, and using the power of the federal government to take care of the president's son. Uh, He went on to say the Justice Department's misconduct and politicization in the Biden criminal investigations already allowed the statute of limitations to run with respect to egregious felonies committed by Hunter Biden. Uh, Justice Department officials refused to follow evidence that could have led to Joe Biden tipped off the Biden transition team and to Hunter Biden's lawyers about planned interviews and searches and attempted to sneakily place Hunter Biden on the path to a sweetheart plea deal. Comer said Garland's move is really about the DOJ, quote, trying to stonewall congressional oversight as we have presented evidence to the American people about the Biden family's corruption, which they can do, but they can't charge anybody with a crime. OK, they can't do that. All they can do is point a spotlight. The House Oversight Committee will continue to follow the Biden family money trail and interview witnesses to determine whether foreign actors targeted the Bidens. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said this action by Biden's Department of Justice cannot be used to obstruct congressional investigations or whitewash the Biden family corruption. If Weiss negotiated the sweetheart deal that couldn't get approval, uh, how can he be trusted as special counsel? McCarthy added. House Republicans will continue to pursue the facts for the American people. Jim Jordan from Ohio tweeted. First, David Weiss said he didn't have the power he needed and wanted special counsel status. Then. He said he had all the power he needs. Now he gets special counsel status because he really didn't have the power he needs. Something's not right. That was Comey, or that was uh, Jim Jordan. Okay, uh, here's from the Federalist: Garland appoints corrupt special counsel to stonewall Congress. All right, so this the lines are drawn immediately, and this was a huge move. By the way, don't mistake in me. Don't mistake me. It's it's a huge move. And I'll I'll look more into it over the weekend and talk more about it early next week. In a brazen attempt to stonewall Congress and run interference for the Biden family, Attorney General Merrick Garland promoted the architect of Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal to special counsel under the Department of Justice. On Friday, Garland announced Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss would oversee an ongoing criminal investigation under Hunter Biden with new federal protections. Okay, so this has been like five years, right? Five years. Now we do it? That's where... Most people, myself included, would go. Mm, what's going on here? On Tuesday of this week, Garland said, "Mr. Weiss advised me that, in his judgment, his investigation had reached a stage at which he should continue his work as a special counsel, and he asked to be so appointed." Garland obviously approved the request. The plea deal also scuffled after a pair of whistleblowers from the Internal Revenue Service detailed explosive allegations of DOJ interference, which prevented prosecutors from bringing the most serious charges against Hunter Biden. And that was under the watchful eyes of Weiss. Despite the cascade of crime-ridden scandals to plague the president's family, Hunter Biden was prepared to plead guilty merely to two misdemeanor tax crimes and a single felony firearm charge forgiven after 24 months of sobriety. He got a sweetheart deal. Nobody else in this country would get that, by the way. The move to elevate Biden's prosecutors to special counsel status after the plea deal was rejected is a deflection from Garland to claim the investigation is run entirely independently. So Weiss becomes this independent bad guy, right? There's no such thing as special counsel immunity from congressional subpoenas, but the promotion may interfere with Weiss's planned testimony before lawmakers. Russell Diaz, spokesman for House Republican Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio, called Weiss's appointment uh, just a new way to whitewash the Biden family's corruption, which may be true. Weiss has already uh, signed off on a sweetheart deal that was so awful and unfair that a federal judge rejected it. That was Judge Noreka, by the way, uh, and praise the Lord for her. Dice said in a statement, we will continue to pursue facts brought to light by brave whistleblowers as well as Weiss's inconsistent statement to Congress. So we'll see. uh, If you don't trust this whole thing, uh, you're right to be that way. I don't trust the whole thing. And after five years, now, 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 you Now you go special counsel and a special counsel usually is somebody brought in from outside that epicenter in Washington, D.C. So they have the appearance of independence and credibility, not the guy that's been on the case for five years. But that Merrick Garland and the left could be probably are so given over that the obvious ridiculousness of that to some of us is irrelevant. (laughs) They don't care. Again, it's not about reality. It's about ideology. It's about the narrative. And they're willing to use political power. Like my buddy Steve Day says, you think you live in a country that's run by the rule of law? You're wrong. You live in a country at this point that's run by political will. And this shows you how much political will the left has. And and so we'll see. And uh, so, like, what could play out? Does this become an off-ramp to get uh, the big guy, Joe, out of there? What if they find Hunter guilty and they bring him up on charges? Can they get this done, by the way? before November of next year, and he's guilty, then dad pardons him, then dad uh, is like, yeah, i got time to bow out. Is that his last act? And then who comes in? We've talked about that before. Is it uh, the governor of California? Is it, uh, that's Gavin Newsom. Is it Michelle Obama? I mean, again, I've said this a lot in the last couple of months. This is the most bizarre political season I've ever experienced. And it just got even more bizarre today. So for us as Christians, if you're a Christian, I hope you are, uh, pray, wisdom, discernment, truth, justice. But spiritual forces of darkness are all over the place. It's a busy season. It'll get busier. The closer we get to Jesus' return, Satan knows he's lost. He's like a caged animal, and that gets pretty ugly. Uh, but let's not give our joy over to the special counsel, or Washington, D.C. or the Barbie movie or anything else. Make sure your joy is set securely in the Lord, that your house is built on rock and not on the sand of breaking news on a Friday afternoon. So there you go. Consider yourself challenged and encouraged. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.